Hi, I'm Kip, and you're listening to Common Ride with Me. Common Ride with Me is a Tokusatsu podcast. Togu is a genre of TV and film with a focus on practical effects. This is a weekly podcast split between two shows that alternate weeks. One is the yearly or OG podcast, where myself and Kopus Senpai talk about shows week to week as they're airing or at the same kind of pace they would be airing at. The other is a book club podcast of myself, Steph, and David, where we use a more traditional book club format to get through shows arc by arc. You're about to listen to episode Two of four of the book club's look at Shogi Gorai Gan, a 2013 mystery series that's equal parts sci-fi action, horny comedy. Hen Shin. Hello everyone, you can come ride with me. This is our book club. Uh, it's episode 174. Um, and I'm your host, Kip, and with me is Steph. Hey Steph, what's up? Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, no David this week, because uh, he unfortunately had a terrible accident, and, you know, uh, those pesky Ninja Turtles got him. It happens to the best of us, honestly. We tried to warn him about just carrying his pizza down the street all willy-nilly like that, and, you know. The man's going to go his own way. Yeah, let's just say he's half shelled and not by guns, but by ninja stuff. <laughs> but no, um, we're here to talk about our next chunk of Shoki Goraigan, uh, which is a horny late night Toku series from 2013. Uh, it's episodes five through seven. So a uh, shorter episode. But yeah, besides that stuff, is there anything uh new like media wise game wise uh since last time that you i i don't know if i brought this up last time that we talked or not but i really got into late i know cult of the lamb that is such a great entertaining game and i just cannot stop playing it lately it's it's my go-to whenever i've got a few minutes oh no uh, my partner wanted that game but then like missed the boat and like hasn't gone back but um Oh, highly recommend. We so I like told her months ago, hey, we have this game like it was like a PS plus game or something. Mm-hmm. And I like, told her, OK, we have this game. You're going to love it. Do you want to play it? She's like, oh, no, never. And then <laughs> like this, this past week was like, why do you tell me we had this? And it's um. SpongeBob SquarePants, Spongetto Water Rehydrated or something like that. It's like a remake of a PS2 SpongeBob game. Uh-huh. And you didn't tell her you had it, is what I'm getting from this conversation. This <laughs> <laughs> was like, hey, why do you have me with the SpongeBob game? What's going on? It's tied in the SpongeBob game. What the hell? Yeah. But no, uh, it's like a perfectly remade PS2 game. It has like all those quirks but i guess it got remade in the first spongebob game in like 10 plus years 15 years because it had like a big speed running community <laughs> really who would have thought oh uh it's um spongebob's Warpants battle for 
Thinking bottom rehydrated, not sponge out of water. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. What were you doing? But no, um, Seth. Oh, I think it's time to talk about these shows, though. Yeah, I I think we should because I think that uh, these shows are one of those things. Like the longer you avoid talking about it, the bigger the explosion is. So you really just need to, you know, jump in there, take it in your hands, and just deal with whatever happens next ah like euthanasia <laughs> exactly where i was going with that i'm so glad we're on the, <laughs> on the same wavelength today yeah th- this is gonna be a productive and <laughs> tight episode i can already tell we're definitely not gonna go completely off the rails like we did for the whole hour before we actually started recording well some of that was like troubleshooting. That's uh, we'll call it that, and that's what we'll call it from now on when we go off the rails. We were just troubleshooting, Mom. God. Yeah. We went from troubleshooting to shooting the shit, but As never stop shooting. Do. That's my motto. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Keep one in the chamber. <laughs> oh. <laughs> two in the pink. Wait, what? One in the chamber, two in the pink. That's what my T-shirt says, anyway. <laughs> Episode 5, Shokiki Go Ragon, Absolute Justice. So I like realized the opening for every episode before this. I was like, oh yeah, Go Ragon. And then this episode, I was like, oh, Shogeki. <laughs> They're all their names, not just three of their names that are in it. Uh, yeah. But the episode starts with our new homie, Gan, or Gone. Gone? Go Ragon. Gone. Okay. Um, and he is a previous actor for us. Steph, you know who he is? I do not. He is um, Wataru's brother, the other king, the Sash Kamarider Saga from Kamarida Kiva. No way. He was also in the movie as this guy with long hair and claws, if you remember that part of it. I, I don't, but I mean, that was a while ago, so. Yeah. Everybody cut me some slack here. And yeah, so he's back for another in a way show and he's now playing a new a fun new character of uh kinteros <laughs> he's here and like he might be voiced by kinteros too like it's there's times where it it's not his voice it seems like but maybe just like bass boosted but it's just very much like okay his voice sounds different but he's definitely kind of doing the kinteros a bit yeah he definitely seems to have a lot of uh similar inflections and as he's just kind of uh I don't want to say talking to himself, but as he's making observations, yeah, I can see him kind of falling into those same rhythms. Mm. And he's all about absolute justice. But like we start the episode with like some flashes of him. Then Hitomi's like, oh, it, it's the fifth episode and I'm not even in the opening. And we just see <laughs> go get assaulted at night. <laughs> This is another one of those yeah. scenes that we see. They pop up every so often in these type of shows, but it's very much one of those things where if the gender was reversed, this wouldn't have been comedy. <laughs> so it's you have to just kind of appreciate the fact that it's once again poking fun at itself, but also the story that it's trying to give to you. Yeah, because so like... <laughs> There is a different place in regards to gender roles and the ideas of sexual assault in Japanese media, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
than we are or even we're at in 2013 because also i'm sure you also zoom back the clock 10 years 2013 and this is hilarious in (laughs) pop culture probably for us so like let's not like yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I'm on a moral high ground here. I, I watched American Pie and laughed my ass off just like everybody else did in my generation. So I, I'm i not going to pretend I'm a paragon of virtue. I'm I'm just pointing out <laughs> the fact that that would be the kind of scrutiny we were under if we were watching this at, in this day and age. Yeah, but even 10 years ago, like I think like American media was still like, oh, man, a woman cannot assault a man. <laughs> yeah, so- I, I mean, today you still see people making that argument and it's kind of stressful that it's still so prevalent but yeah small steps are still leaps and miles sometimes you know hey man uh but no um she's like in santa claus outfit kind of <laughs> it's like colors not she, she, she's in like a nighty, and we see her butt and everyone else is suspiciously their monster form but she's human to show off her santa nightgown butt as she goes <laughs> up to him and then, like, they all wake up, and the boys try to hold him down. Yeah. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's some friends he has, honestly. And she's, like, just screaming at him, I'm your mistress, you have to like this, essentially. And I'm like, oh, so many problems with this right now. Rai says something like, the man who drools but doesn't eat is a fool. Yeah. And just follow your instincts. And yeah. Um, thankfully, Granny is mad at them for the safe <laughs> the um the way that that entire group of just himbos will fall into line anytime granny walks into the room is will never stop being hilarious to me yeah and like um i love how they alternate when they choose to be human and monster form like half the time it's like they're cleaning and they're like monster form then it's like yeah, right. oh they're getting yelled at and they're human form now like that. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. And I think that it definitely adds something to the scenes that sometimes you get to see like half of them one way and half of them the other. Like it's almost like adding a visual texture to whatever's going on at the moment. It totally is because it's like um how often um do like cool pieces of art go viral? Like it's like, oh, like here's my art of like a mecha pilot next to like a vending machine, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Right. Like this is like a cool way to make the world seem like it just does make the world seem magical in a certain way. If it's like, Oh, here's us in the sunset, like having a picnic and like, we're like monster form versus like human form. It's like a, it's one cool way to like to use Toku stuff that uh, was like a, real strength of the show i think yeah and it kind of reminds me of the idea of like you know when you get um when you commission a drawing and you know there are some people that will like you know commission what they imagine their avatar to be or or you know even just something like we were just talking about like a scene from a show or a movie where it's kind of like fantasized idealized and this show does that like naturally it it sets up that art for you because you quite literally could just take one scene of this and clip it out and have it be like half of the cast is in monster form, half of it isn't, and it's against this beautiful sunset. And, you know, it's it's kind of in that way, it very much is touching on what makes Toku so magical. And it's really neat that they play it that way for the camera because shows don't do that. Yeah, like 
the strength of the practical effects and like having real things there is that they can interact with real things, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. And and they don't ever I think why I enjoy it so much is they don't ever show the outside world reacting to them differently in either form. So it makes it feel like it's that's just how the world is. And I love that. It it adds so much to the whimsy. And like in shows where they do and let and like you like get that interplay, mm-hmm. it's also very cool. I just think like that's a cool thing is like not to harp on Hollywood where I think has a lot of problems or slash like our VH like having like a lot of people that aren't unionized, so let's make sure we have a lot of like their work on our stuff. Um mm-hmm. cause like there are great uses of like CG, like Annihilation, Terminator 2, um a lot of other stuff but like just um in a just shoddily outlined not made because like the overworked people are doing their best you don't see anyone interact with or like be in the same physical space as like a monster right but yeah with that though it's time to do laundry and do (laughs) some laundry shows a pretty dress and then we see um a bunch of (laughs) wildly adult men but they're nine-year-olds now in the scene um as they come to this spot of some of some like shipping containers like this is our secret base <laughs> the ghost shows up yeah that part was strange for me because until we kind of got like further into the scene i couldn't tell what was happening with them because they were acting like they were school age but they looked so much older so it was it, it it really took me a minute to kind of piece together that this was genuine and not just like a gathering of weirdos for the sake of weirdos. Do you remember uh, last episode I said the guys they like met with for this like karaoke party seem way too old for them? These are the same guys. Are they? Okay, that explains it because I really was feeling like I feel like there's something to this that I'm missing because it's obvious that these men are too old to be worried about having a secret base. So, okay, yes, that that does make a lot more sense. They're just SNLing it, like what it's like. Um, let's do like a Stranger Things gag kind of thing. Like let's just like have these three men, whatever we need, younger people, like teenagers. These three f- very forty year old men could show up. Yeah, that or like uh, my other favorite reoccurring character in this is mm-hmm. the girl who shows up and she's like, "Hey, remember me? I'm I may or may not be a reoccurring character." Come to think of it, it yeah, this show loves to poke fun at that. Yeah, and this show just <laughs> does not give a shit about anything. It doesn't. There is no fourth wall in this show. Period. It's gonna like um, when they get to the hot spring. Um, if you stop the um door says like a local shopping group a local elementary school and then shogeki goraigon filming crew is like a like name on the door for like a group at that like spa basically (laughs) (laughs) just great it is yes but no um a a, like magic shows up to attack these nine-year-olds then gant shows up with a gun and kills it and then (laughs) kids go home become fine people do homework yeah, which was another time where I was like, once again, these are 30-year-old men. What is he talking about? <laughs> and like, as they all say, yeah, and leave, he's like, I was half sarcastic. <laughs> and um, 
we cut to uh Hitomi meeting a like very braggadocious old classmate who's like, Oh, what are your dreams? And she's like, I don't know. And then she's like, Man, women, sometimes they <laughs> aren't actually your friends. Uh yeah. Yeah. She was having a serious I'm not like the other girls moment there. Her friend is like, oh, yeah, like, have you got a boyfriend? Oh, yeah, well, like, I've got a fiance. And then she's like, oh, it's, it's, it's like, fine. The laws say it's okay. Yeah. And that's always a line. Yeah, that definitely gave me the ick feeling. But on top of that, I was already, like, having the uh, what the fuck moment with them, like, acting like her not having a boyfriend was the weirdest thing in the world. And I'm like, aren't you guys, like, 14? What is happening? I think they're supposed to be like 15 or 16. Well, still, I'm just saying, like, to pretend that she's at risk of becoming a, a you know, spinster cat lady at her age is kind of silly. Yeah, no. Um, Hitomi, if I had to say, she seems like the kind of person who's not cool till college. Yeah, that's entirely possible. But I think a lot of that has to do with kind of her attitude toward life, too. Like... Yeah, she she kind of tends to look at the world as kind of something that's just inconveniencing her. There's like a kind of weird that I think people don't like until they're like in a like weird like college course and they're meeting for the first time. Like, oh, okay, like you're like textured in my life. You're the girl who likes Rocket Go, you know? Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know. I think maybe it was just when I was in high school, but there was a certain type of people that you could tell were like, they weren't actually weird. They were like that weird for attention weird. But it isn't until you get older you can really differentiate that. And I think that she's the type that people are going to appreciate until they're older. Like, she really is just unique. She sees the world differently. It isn't like that... Um, you know, let me just find the most radical thing that I can do to draw attention to myself. And I like that she's not like unique, like to be zany. Like that would be a bad character. I think to have like a main character part of this. I'm not sure if she's the main character. Honestly, she seems to think she is. Yeah, but that might just be her quirk too, which is it's doubly hilarious as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, it, I think that it, that's exactly what it is too. Though she's that's how you can tell that she's genuine is because she doesn't want the attention on her. She's not doing anything to like, try and just be like, Oh, look what a special, you know, blade of grass. I am. She literally is just like, wants to be left alone for the most part. Doesn't want anybody messing with her at all. So, but it's also funny to like, see her very slowly through the course of these episodes, start to like, yeah. get a little bit of self-actualization. So that's been um, fun to watch on her end, for sure. Yeah. And, like, that's the, like, good part about, like, coming of age story is like, oh, yeah, sometimes we all need a little help getting over the hump of just uh, awkwardness that comes with being a dealing with being alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, um, the friends have to figure out what a spiral is and then they find out that they can't eat it oh <laughs> uh, yeah to be perfectly honest i i was a little bit confused by this whole thing too because until they eventually put it together i couldn't figure out what was going on either because it's not something that i i have used as an american so 
I was enjoying their confusion because I feel like I was completely on their side through this whole thing. Because it's like a spiral incense that goes in this like pig holder. There, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, sure. But it looks like it looked like the um, burner that we use on like our electric stovetops. So I think that's where yes. my confusion came in because when he says, "Oh, it's for putting your pans on top of," I was like, "Oh, that makes perfect sense to me." Me too. <laughs> okay good I, I because as soon as you know we get to the part where we figure out what the hell it is i felt like a moron but it's because that's exactly how it looked and then he makes that inference and you're like oh okay you know unless you're smart enough to know what he's actually waving around there yeah and um here's two where i was like okay like they were pretty like these three characters that aren't go mm-hmm. if they were all like super violent or like whatever like super important like dark being criminals they pretty easily just saved like there's not really any effort put into this huh by their like culture to save the people who are lost you know yeah yeah and that's what it keeps like recurring to me as we go through these episodes but everything that they're looking at is like a bad thing with not just these characters but like even the monsters that they're fighting just aren't that bad so i'm kind of wondering if like that's something that before we get to the end of the series it's kind of revealed that like you know that's how perfect the universe is that these small things seem like something that you'd have a monster created over or if it really is just like you know that's the joke like everything's bad I mean, that does definitely fit with the coming of age story. Hitomi learning how to deal like with different people. Like like those kind of flaws being that big, like works that way. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, even the people in her life that, you know, you would usually in a show like this think to yourself, oh, well, they're going to side with a bad guy at some point. Even they aren't like bad. (laughs) They just, you know, maybe talk a little bit too much or, you know, don't aren't very considerate but aside from that like there's no clear-cut bad person in the series so far not my area and i don't think david's either but we can like talk about it but um like what do you look at, like the certain like the figures in a lot of eastern mythology you get people like the monk who is unable to be in heaven because he still gets horny at girls and like and like the monkey king like who like to fight and has to like learn how to like come to peace and i think there's just a gentler kind of flaw mm-hmm. to those kind of characters i think is what we're getting here where like their flaw is that they needed any work at all or that they could do anything at all and when you're a teenager in japanese society that's just kind of who the outcasts are too it's people of any kind like it's maybe not as uh, bad as our like modern America. Uh, there's a lot of things going on that maybe have made us see people with bigger flaws kind of thing. But if a like suburban or like pretty normal life, like Japanese teen, like kind of matches with like that, like mythical precedent, like almost like how um, like Greek gods have like mm-hmm. flaws like that, where it's like, oh, they're perfectly good person, except for this flaw that like stops them this way i think it's like that gentle like mythical figure thing they're doing which is cool Mm -hmm. yeah and i definitely enjoy it because there's a different kind of art 
that you know it has to surround the the way that you play to these much more subtle you know flaws in people and it's it's added a level of like brain to the show that if you just take it at face value you're not going to realize it's there mm-hmm. and this episode actually is the first time that we see uh besides like Jin and the implied like a thousand warriors a a person do a bad thing you know <laughs> um because there's just like guy on the side of a road he's wearing a white shirt has like red splotches so it looks like blood and this girl comes over i think it's toby's friend um but it's just like oh no and he tries to assault her and right. then like that's when gan shows up he's like absolute justice and he keeps saying this and it gets funny every time it does yes because it, it his face seems to somehow look more serious every time he says it too which just adds to your just going how big of a cornball is this guy the answer is massively <laughs> yeah because at first he starts out singing seeming like kind of oh you know cool if uh you know do gooder in a very like captain america way you know he kind of has that whole attitude about him but you know you're just like oh yeah he's he's kind of a good guy but then like as it goes on you're just like oh wait maybe not so much a good guy is like the worst kind of like paladin or cleric or something just like someone who has such an absolute moral code that anything that they even perceive as being slightly off from that makes them unbearable to be around yeah no and by unbearable he pulls out his one piece flintlock pistol oh my gosh like pirate style yeah. and kills this dude almost forgot about that part <laughs> And we see uh, the catfish guy from the first episode is skipping. He's like, I hope I get my ice cream today. <laughs> it's a gun pulled on him. And just, I think a definitely like a like tell of um this like writing team and this like writer that like we've seen like change on. And again, like Kiva too is like, um, like even they had like that one dude with a puppet who, who like kept showing back up like they like to reuse right a like cast of people but he just <laughs> shows up but thankfully there's a evil magi on the totem pole he was sitting at that gets killed when he can run away he's like i lost my pop <laughs> but we cut to hitomi being introduced to her not friend's boyfriend and he's just a nice wooden magi scarecrow boy yeah even his monster form is kind of endearing like there's it's very much meant to show that even as a monster he is like harmless he is the epitome of you've got nothing to worry about with this guy there's a couple times in these episodes where like hitomi's like hey i gotta look out for humans and not these magi which he like reads very weird mm-hmm but like she tries to tell her friend of various guys like true but also like not for the reasons you're saying but gan shows up to shoot him and they play yakety sack the boy runs away and then he comes back from another direction from where he left yeah and essentially gets on to hitomi and is like did you fucking snitch on me 
I mean, like he could tell that she could see him. He's like, please help me. Like I'm a gusu. He's, and she's like, what's that? <laughs> but she helps him, I guess. I guess it's kind of, I, I mean, I, I guess if we're looking at it from a timeline perspective, she hasn't been in this world for very long, but it still also kind of feels strange that she hasn't figured out that there are different like levels of bad with these yet. Because she's kind of been on the front lines for a lot of that. Yeah. And, like, she's seeing these. Okay, so is she hearing them? Or is that, like, his, like, hearing the, like, wailing of ghosts or, like, Maggie, why she's always wearing headphones? She's like, oh, she only sees them. She doesn't, like, she just also likes her comedy albums, I think, might be it, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I don't think they ever really point to one way or the other her reacting to that. So I, I don't know. But um, he gets introduced to Go, and Hitomi gets told that there are Gusu, um, which are guy pussies, and there are Kisu. No, um, there are Gusu, which are good magi, and then there are Kisu, who are bad magi. And I don't think we need to use those words anymore. We're just going to say, oh, he's like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but then... He tells the story of how he fell in love with her friend Kayo. And it's like all in art pays like, oh, like she was so cute and so nice to this like local like statues that I was like hanging out around. And then her boyfriend came together and he got hit by a car real bad. (laughs) (laughs) And she was so sad that I jumped in her boyfriend's body. And then it like pulls back from the slide to show he's holding it in reality. Yeah, that was, I mean, I get what they were trying to say with that story, but on the other hand, like, if I was her, I don't know that I could get through the trauma to want to be in that relationship, because that's a lot. I get the sense, at least, that, like, this guy maybe didn't (laughs) instigate the marriage, just like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, I'm just here, so you're not sad. Like, he seems like more of a Pokemon than a dude. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense though, honestly. We cut to Gan pestering people, be like, don't smoke, put it out. And then don't put your makeup on on the bench, do it at home. <laughs> and like grabbing her lipstick and just walking off with it, like, where are you going? What are you gonna do with that? What is happening? Have you seen the second Robocop movie? Oh yeah, but probably like over a decade ago. Part of the plot there is that like to afford repairs for Robocop. He needs to get like new prime directive. So like he's just full of garbage stuff. Like look both ways across the street. Like don't smoke. And like he just starts to like shoot cigarettes out of like people's mouths and stuff and like just like lose his mind. Incredible. And that's where Gan is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great. It's a, a movie full of great ideas. It's not near as good as the first one, though. You know, every once in a while on the weekends when I have insomnia, I'll um lay out on the couch and I'll pick one of our streaming services and I'll just go through like old 80s and 90s movies just to kind of hopefully lull myself uh, off to sleep for a couple hours on the couch. So I think I'm about due to do a uh, run through on the Robocop movies. A couple of months ago, I did one on all the uh, Lethal Weapon movies when I had a pretty bad case of insomnia. So Something that we started doing is um, on Plex, uh, there is a lot of stuff that's just like normal TV that um, 
there's just a button to shuffle. So you can just shuffle every series that like is on Plex. So for us, it's like, oh, like, let's watch maybe Bob's Burgers, maybe Grand Designs. Who knows? Oh, dope. that sounds like the exact kind of thing I'd love to do when I can't sleep on a Saturday night. Honestly, you should try it because you have those libraries, I think. I do. And I just need to figure out how to uh, link it to my smart TV and I'll be in seventh heaven. Oh, and speaking of seventh heaven, Gan also jumps over a guardrail to say teens over seven shouldn't be within six feet of each other. Yeah, that was something that I was going to uh, check in with you and David about. Is that some kind of uh, like Japanese dare program I don't know about or? Because that seems like a very specific rule, and I, I, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just don't be kissing. Once you're seven, you start kissing, and that's, I don't know why the age seven, but it's just like random cultural thing. Oh, age seven, don't be too close to each other. You might be doing stuff you shouldn't. So if you're like six years and 364 days, you get all the kissing in that you can. But after you turn seven, that's it. Life's over, buddy. Yeah. Um good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I almost said something really dark. <laughs> uh but no. Um once you're seven, you're not cute anymore is the real thing, you know? Yeah. Stop getting free cookies at the supermarket. That's that's what happened to me. So I get it. The question, is that a thing they do anymore, or is that like super gone the like free cookies or like kids? The bakery section of supermarket. I, you know, I think probably if you go to like a private bakery or something, you know what I mean? Not like one that like a Walmart or something like that. Like, I, I think if you maybe go to like private grocery store, maybe, you know, the owner, maybe, you know, a lot of the people that work there, like they know that they hand your kid a chocolate chip cookie if it happened to be placed within 10 feet of a nut and your kid has an allergic reaction, you're not going to try and take them for everything they're worth, maybe then. But, you know, we're a pretty litigious country now. It's probably not safe for them to do that kind of thing without, like, extensive warnings all over the place. Well, it's okay, because why have a free service that costs you nothing when you could just not, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know some places are still pretty cool. Like, um, you can go to an ice cream place and ask for samples of the ice cream. And they don't even make you sign, like, paperwork about it A waiver, yeah. Yeah. They just assume that you're smart enough to know what your allergies are. Now, granted, I know some people who still can't quite live up to that bar, but... I don't think you could sue an ice cream store for IBS, though. So, like, it's not... Man, like I went to this ice cream store. They had 32 flavors. I tried the wallet. I fucking just <laughs> saw the toilet for four hours and tried to sue you. That probably doesn't work. Well, I mean, unless you're marketing that as like some kind of, you know, weight loss system or something. I actually want to go to like a really hype ice cream store now. Like it's hype man ice cream or something. I, you know, if you're in a legal state, you could probably, you know, get that pushed through. I'm doing some pretty wild stuff with like places you can hang out and you know there must be THC ice cream at this point you, you'd have to well, you'd have to imagine there'd have to be right because you need a um, oh man not to get too deep in the weeds but if you want THC as an edible to really work for you it needs to bind to fat anyway ice cream would be perfect for that because it's a 
you know, it's dairy, it's all fat. So I'm sure there is. We should look to our neighbor, Colorado, and see what they have to say on the matter, because they seem to be on the front lines a lot of that stuff. <laughs> they invented so the cool. first, like, edible, like, or the first, like, pizza delivery place that, you know, you could get high off the pizza, so... According to oregano.com, which is a great name. Oh, never mind. This is a satire site. Never mind. <laughs> nice. Like the onion. The right. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I just thought they had a really good name for like a weed site. <laughs> it's like if you go on Reddit and try to go on trees and ask a question about your tree, everybody's like, wrong kind of trees, my guy. Oops, all THC is not a real flavor of the Jerry <laughs> Yet. Yet no. Back to the show though. Before we, God damn it, we did it again. <laughs> no, it happens. Um, we got to Jin making his cameo for the episode. He's on a balcony, his mansion, reaching out, and the secretary asks, "What's he thinking about?" And he says, "Flowers." And then he just is gone for the episode. <laughs> yeah, his secretary is hilarious. <laughs> I, I honestly, between the two of them, I don't know who's more funny. Because for the longest time, I thought it was just her being ridiculous until this episode when he absolutely plays into that whole, like, soap opera hero thing they've been trying to, like, build their relationship (laughs) on. So, yeah, as soon as he completely leaned into that, I was like, okay, yeah, it's both of them. They're equally ridiculous, and I'm here for it. I love them. And, like, it's, like, worth noting, too, that, like, He's like enough of like a cultural like, oh, like bad boy character. It's like, oh, like what if like Amelia Estevez is like doing this kind of thing to like think of his like what people would think if you were a Japanese person watching this mm-hmm. Which makes it even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the boy tries to break up with his girlfriend, but gets absolutely justice before he can. But Gao was moved by his act of love and saves her. He goes to duel again. And then, like, his sin is not seeing shades of gray. And he almost loses after Cannon blasts, but he comes back up. But then he collapses. And then Ganon trusts himself and says, but only for now, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you think of their fight scene, their uh, duel? <laughs> they, um, you know, it, I, I really liked the, um, the visual effects to it, but I honestly was having kind of a hard time figuring out what was going on and i don't know if it was because like the camera was changing too fast for me or like the perspective or what but it 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 took me a couple of minutes at the end to figure out who had won and like what the conclusion was like what happened i think that maybe my brain was just moving slow processing the fight scene it i really enjoyed it visually but I don't know. Like I said, I was having a hard time there for a couple of minutes kind of following exactly what was who was doing what to who. So Gan technically won, but conceded to go after seeing his resolve, basically. Mm-hmm. And then it's time for a wedding and they all go to the wedding and apparently nobody else was there because they get a cool picture on the steps. Yeah, that whole thing was weird. But, you know, as long as everybody's happy, can't complain. Great picture, though. Yeah, looks like a very cool picture. I'd like to have a copy of it for my living room. Here's um, so here's some friends of mine. Um, yes, five of them are monsters. Yeah, I don't understand what the big deal is. Sometimes your friends are monsters. Yeah, and the ending shows them returning to the shop, 
And now Granny wants pictures because she likes their outfits. But that's episode six now. Natural beauty scenery. So for episode six, please remind me how we opened up on this one. I don't. I think I'm confusing it with seven. Uh, they corner a bad magi and then they're like, I have this much sparkle power. Oh, that's right. Yes, they start going off on this kind of um, reminded me almost of something out of like a video game where they all start saying how much sparkle power they have just inexplicably. It has nothing to do with anything because we literally just uh, panned in on them chasing this little magi around the beach and they start talking about they're going to attack it with uh, sparkle power. So I think it uh, goes to where they're increasingly going like, I don't know, 10 or so points above each other till all of a sudden they just start like, smacking each other out of the way and um you get this voice or not this voice this message that come across the screen that says we're gonna continue this later <laughs> and i love how the magi like looks around like uh uh like can i go yeah I yeah go. yeah like he's like this might be an opening for me like how close of attention are they paying it's it's pretty funny to watch mm-hmm. and then our moment of the episode, our let's get weird about, let's be horny the wrong way. Because <laughs> uh, the next scene is Hitomi bathing. Yeah. And they're all like, are you okay? Yeah, it, and it's, I think this one maybe was marginally less weird because they didn't show like her strange children's CD <laughs> player type thing in this scene. Um, but on the other hand, they do have her just like, um, I think you can pretty much tell that because of like the way that the water is, you know, kind of just like that milky shade and everything like you can't see anything, but you can obviously tell she's naked sitting in the bathtub. And then you start to get like these side shots of at least two or three of the guys kind of peeking through the door. And doing it under the guise of, oh, yeah, we just wanted to see if the water was hot enough. <laughs> so they start, like, as she's, like, telling them, I'm fine, go away. Like, they start having these background arguments. And pushing each other, like, against the wall. Um, And then, oh, what is her name? Is that Sho? Yes. When she realizes that goes, Gao is part of the uh, group that's you know, checking to see if Hitomi's okay starts to freak out a little bit on him. Uh, yeah, she is out of pocket throughout this show, but yeah. Yeah, she's an absolute mess the entire time. I do believe they're mostly just trying to make sure she's like probably taken care of. They do seem to like dote on her a lot as their like teacher or their like human friend. Yeah, that was one thing that I was going to say because it they had a lot of opportunities and I was like, I I will admit I was kind of on the edge of my seat, like afraid of what they were going to say or do with this scene, because there were a lot of opportunities. They could have made any of those guys stand out as being like a complete jerk or like had the opportunity to be make, you know, show be jealous or, you know, angry or anything like that. But they didn't. They really made it feel like it was genuinely them concerned that you know they hadn't heard anything from her in a few minutes and just wanted to make sure she was okay like it it never comes off as 
even when they're like joking around with her as any of them like seriously perving on her. So that was a very big relief for that scene. Yeah. No. Um and then what happens next? Is this where they decide what they want to do with their big banquet? Yeah, okay, so they realize that they had achieved their goal of getting all of them together, and they talk about how uh, back in their home planet they used to have banquets when something good would happen, and, and point out that that's something that humans do also. So they start trying to kind of decide, you know, what they want this to look like for them. And I don't remember which one, but one of them leans up. Leans over and points out, hey, I've heard about sushi. I'd like to try sushi. So, you know, automatically everybody watching has this idea in their head of what that looks like. And then we find out that not one of them knows what sushi is, what sushi (laughs) looks like, like (laughs) nothing. So cue like this very, very endearing couple of scenes where they're all kind of like not only trying to figure out how they're going to like split up this chore or how they're going to be able to go out and eat but even what it is that they're looking for it was just it was very funny to like watch all of these people who have like all these really great battle tactics and like all these really great abilities to play and just absolutely stumped by the concept of sushi like it was the cutest thing i've seen in a while and they have no money besides Geki, who has 500 yen from giving Granny a shoulder rub a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, and Geki's smug face after he explains that is probably one of my favorite moments out of this couple of episodes right here. <laughs> yeah. And then they point out, well, okay, we don't got have enough money to go out to lunch. Why don't we try making it? And of course, one of the other ones is like, how can we make it if we don't know what it is and we don't have money to buy ingredients? (laughs) So they try to uh, split up their chores after that based on this little bit of information and financial uh, credibility that they have. Because they also take money from the store's like box too. Yeah, they eventually decide that they're just going to straight up rob the store and <laughs> split up with um. Geki says he's going to find out what sushi is, and two of them decide that they're going to go shopping despite not knowing what to shop for. Go and show her like shopping, right? And I think the that like ryan gan are looking just to find out what it is maybe yeah i get i kind of feel like a bunch of them went off in that direction but they phrased it differently this was like how they were going to but yeah that's that's pretty much what happened we meet your favorite character again yes <laughs> uh what is her name her name is Akiko Tachibana, and she's hoping that she's a regular. Yes, but she isn't sure if she's a regular or not. So the boys ambush her and start asking her a million questions a minute about what sushi is. And she has an ice cream that she's licking to let you know that she's also an adult star. Yes, because the opening scene of her licking that ice cream, sorry I jumped over that, is very, very suggestive. And not like in a, oh, that could be innocent way. No. She directly looks at the camera and does that very suggestive tongue move and then, like, tries to play it off like nothing happened just then. 
And this made me think, man, we have no goofy, horny, weird comedy stuff really culturally anymore in the U.S. We should ch- like change that. Like, have a fun, goofy show. We really you know? need to. We need something that's along these lines, but just as clever. Because this, like, you have like pure and maybe like offensively caricature or like super serious, and there's like a lot of like younger people online now are like, oh, what's the point of sex scenes or like nudity and stuff? I was like, it's because it's. Because it's a thing, it means things, it could be... But, like, I wish we could find a way to productively just have, like, a goofy, like, romp again. Yeah, I agree. Make America romp again. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm trying it. Just, you know, I've, I've got my own political run coming up here in the next decade or so. I'm just throwing things to the wall, see if they stick. Yeah, no. Uh, but, <sighs> please, what happens with your... Porn star friend. Um. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. I'm so off track now. Yeah, they start asking her about the sushi and what it is, and she, uh, instead of answering the question, goes back to speaking directly to the fourth wall and talks about how, um, she hopes she's a series regular but isn't quite sure. Yeah, and then like when Ash, she's like, "Oh, it's Japanese spirit." Like, "Oh, okay." What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) She's talking like she wants to, like, be popular in, like, a modeling contest instead of the character on a show. And it's very funny. Yeah, it's even funnier because they, um, you know, not knowing any better, take that so very literally. (laughs) And decide to start asking everybody what Japanese spirit is. Including homeless Yamashita. Yes, our other favorite recurring character that just pops up out of nowhere. Go and show just meet a fishmonger and like as she's like has to vow, like goes like, what's this? And it's like, oh, it's an octopus. Ah, <laughs> so, <he's> so happy. <laughs> I mean, the funny part to me is it almost looks like show and the fishmonger are, are, are kind of flirting with each other in the background while he's just like groping all these fish in the foreground. So. I love octopus. I want to eat some octopus now. But anyway. Um, what does our friend homeless Yamashita tell the boys about, though? He says that the spirit of Japan is, uh, as he keeps just falling over backwards carrying his cart, mind you, um, he says it's the flowers and the wind and. Oh, what was the third thing? The birds and the moon. That's what it was. Jeez. I, okay, so it wasn't the third thing. It was a lot. I, I missed a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> he starts by saying it's like Wabi Sabu, which is like one of those things. Just like, okay, like they are asking you not what it is like, what like <laughs> worldview is it? They're asking what it actually is. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's the worldview. Looking for imperfections. Wabi Sabu, yes. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem to realize that they're, like, looking for a very tangible thing, not an idea, and he just keeps giving them all these philosophical ideas, which, of course, they take very seriously because they don't know any better. Kacho Fugutsu um, is just, like, one of those things, oh, it's like a weird catch-all, like, it means those four different words. It's like, oh, like, and, like, those four things are art. Sure, but also, that's not, (laughs) that's not fish and rice. And some seaweed. Yeah, that would very much be like if someone 
just uh walked up to me one day and was like uh you know so what's the american spirit and i said something like beer bait and ammo like uh, ask grass or cast exactly like that's essentially what he did to these poor <laughs> otherworldly beings and he doesn't even realize it because he was too you know busy being up his own ass about his philosophical principle about the japanese spirit he's talking like a grandfather telling a six-year-old like an eight-year-old like about like a concept from like art <laughs> You know? Yeah, and they really just needed like a straightforward answer for their little one paragraph essay that's due in their second grade class tomorrow. And they're going to fail because he decided to go deep with something that was literally just like, oh yeah, stegosaurus bones. Like, there was no reason for this. A sculpture is not finding the body from within stone. It's when you take a chisel, Grandpa. Please help us better next time. Yeah, and Mrs. Wright in her second grade class is like, where did you get this bullshit, Timmy? <laughs> he does show them the dance, though, including his bald head as the moon. Yes, that was very cute. And he does have a nice bald head. I'll give him that. It, it is a very good representation of the moon. And they go back to the store at this point, and there's a manager who is Cacho and then like is filthy like and like it's like the same kind of word and they're like no not you and make him leave it's like that's the kind of like gag that they like to do let's have this like two words that sound the same but they're not <laughs> <laughs> and they just like pose of all this stuff like I got a bird I got a like mood and that like, was oh yeah so we wild, figured it yeah. out <laughs> and I love the fact that during this whole time, Hitomi keeps trying to like figure out what they're doing because you just know like she can give them the answers that they're looking for and they completely ignore her. And they make like rice art with it and they're like, ha ha ha. They're like, we can't eat this. It actually, the art itself isn't bad. Like, obviously, no, you can't, you know, eat the blade off of a, a desktop fan, but. It is a very nice, fancy little piece of rice. It it would have looked good on a piece of sushi, not on a fan blade so much. But, you know, they had the right idea. They were just misguided. But then that's when the team's back together and Geki has a printout. And he's like, sushi. <laughs> I love that question. How do we make this look like this? We got a crab. What's a crab? Sea urchins? What's that? Yeah, it was so. And of course, she's hurting, holding those sea urchins right in front of her chest, like as suggestively as possible. Nobody else in the entire five minute span of them showing off that seafood had done anything like that. But no, of course, she's holding them up. So it has to be this whole, uh, you know, my eyes are up here, asshole moment. Um, so Gan does this like pretend the fish is biting his finger and like she believes it. Like, ha, 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 I got you and then he's like mackerel because mackerel is back I love 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 that we got to see mackerel again can never uh, get away from that love it I'm going to have that put onto a sign and put into my office at this point just mackerel and maybe one of the dumbest jokes is that so Geki calls the store of the menu that he like printed out and like asks what the sushi is and they said Oh, it rotates. So they're like, oh, we have to rotate to make this sushi. So they get on the ground. Dumbest fucking joke <laughs> in the entire series. But I will not lie and say I didn't laugh my ass off 
as they just started spinning faster and faster in that scene. It, that was one of the funniest things I've seen in a show in a long time. And who finds them, Steph? Grandma! And tells them that they are... What was it she says? It's not that they're making a mess. You're working for free for the next 10 years. Because they took money out of her cash register. Yes. She holds up her little fish box, fish, uh, fishing box cash register. And she's like, you took money from my register. And of course, they all automatically, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, you're working for me for free for the next 10 years. And then shows them still like bowing to her with fish on their back. It was just a brilliant, brilliant scene. And then they're like, oh, yeah, let's do plot. Let's go to the five color table for our gems. Yeah, all of a sudden, after all that bullshit with the sushi, that was the appropriate time for them to decide that they're going to, oh, yeah, this is what we came back to Earth for, to defend against this. And they put them in after they beat with Navi. He's like, hey, guys, I'm just an AI, and I'm trimming my nails. Here you go. Yep, and then they find out that somebody's light isn't quite strong enough. And who is it? It's Go. None of us were expecting that. And they question him, and then he's like, there might be one thing. Then we cut to Jin, and here I wrote Moan Girl, which I think is appropriate. Absolutely, yes. Like, and she's like, it, like they're having sex or something, of course. And she says, like, why is it even when you hold me, you don't look at me? What is it you're looking at? <laughs> yes. I fucking it, love this girl. The scene of both of... Well, she's clearly naked. With him, you can't tell. They both look like they're naked. But he's very, you know, obviously doing that, like, brooding guy thing, like, looking off into the distance while he kind of, like, half-heartedly pays attention to her. And, you know, he essentially does that whole, don't ask me about my business and she's like, the more you push me away, the more I'm going to be here for you. And he just like gets up in disgust and walks away. And then you find out he was wearing, you know, shorts the whole time. So it didn't really count. And like she leaned back on him. So she like fell into this like, oh, I choose to believe that this lady has had a perfectly normal life. She's just a fucking weirdo. I, you know, I, I kind of want to believe that for my own peace of mind, but there's another part of me that's like, she's seen some shit. <laughs> she was a weird crime millionaire secretary, I guess, but she seems so into this guy that she knows is a demon in his skin. It, and in fact, is extremely turned on by the fact that he's a demon. So that's why I keep going back to she's seen some shit. I don't think. Any professional help will get through to her. Yeah. She honestly <laughs> really gives me like Batman villain vibes of like how horny she is with this dude. Like, okay. Yeah. He's kind of just hanging out. Like, are you even helping him do stuff? Or are you just hanging out with him? Yeah. She's, I think, what uh, everybody assumes like a Harley Quinn would be if she didn't have her own interesting backstory. I think that's what. <laughs> most people are, are assuming they're just like someone who's like oh you're so sexy when you're evil look how sexy you are right now and they play it for laughs though I think it's very funny <laughs> every oh, yeah. time she's like oh <laughs> like everything she does is like the most dumb <laughs> <laughs> yes and then as a matter of fact upcoming we'll see another example of that that I'm looking forward to pointing out 
Uh, we get the backstory, though, of why Go's light isn't pure. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Which is what, uh, to be fair, everybody else says also. Of course it's a woman. Of course you fell in love with a woman. And, like, I don't know what it is with the name Rin, but I've, like, seen multiple, like, different animes or, like, shows where it's been like, oh, and Rin was my previous girlfriend or whatever. And it's like, okay, is Rin just like a cultural name for you're dead or hospitalized to make somebody sad who we don't want to explicitly make gay? So instead you're here. Maybe so. And the only reason I'm going to say that is because I uh, there is a song that I downloaded and have played several times on my Spotify. And it was from one show that we watched. It was one of the common writers. Cannot remember which one. But the band that sings it is called Rin. And um, they have a feature by Lisa Loeb, of all people. Um, and the song is called Antihero. But anyway, it kind of ha- very much has that feel to it. Like, you know, almost like a um, a princess saving herself or like one that got away vibe, like a very fantastical feeling to it. So I, I think you're right. It might be kind of like a placeholder within media to be like, you know, this is a person that's like unattainable or like a part of your shaping your past or something. So ethics dignified confront and apparently the most common name for like a name version of like the like word but is jewel oh and yeah okay that makes sense yeah yeah jewel. i'm here for it mm-hmm. she is the the she is the worst design of anybody so far it's really funny oh yeah yeah can you like describe her outfit <laughs> uh, so we're talking about her in that like dreamscape vibe in the land of truth, yeah, in heaven. Basically. Oh gosh. Okay. So um I might be showing my age here, but if anybody remembers the MTV Music Awards where Bjork wore the dead swan, that okay. her outfit through this series of scenes has a very, very similar vibe. And actually her attitude and kind of how she comes across has also a very similar chaotic vibe so i don't know i think i might have just discovered the answer to the puzzle here you gave somebody a very easy thing um to google though because that's what i was hoping for as long as they figure out how to spell bjork if they're uh that young but oh uh, b-j-o-r-k yes that's exactly it's exactly how it sounds. I don't understand what's complicated there. Yeah, BJ Orc was my name in Lord of the Rings Online. I thought that was your World of Warcraft name, but maybe I need to examine who I've been playing with. But she's just like a, a like, because they're all like weird angel monster demons. Mm-hmm. She, of course, is a, a face of cleavage instead. She's just like, hello, I'm human looking because, you know, yeah, I'm going to get dead or whatever it's it's obvious that they want the audience to feel some kind of attachment to her but on the other hand they make her character uh i don't want to say unattainable but there isn't a lot about her to really draw you in it's very yeah she 
she seems very different from the type of person that you would imagine him to have fallen in love with. I And I don't really know how to articulate it any better than that, but that was just the feeling that I had. She's a pure plot device. She exists to be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> maybe she'll be more, or maybe that's like part of the joke with the punchline a little like later they'll like make something really funny out of it, but there are some just like love interests like, oh, here's my husband or here's my like high school girlfriend or whatever that like just exists to be dead and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense because e- even looking at them on screen, her and Gal, their chemistry together is not, it just isn't there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like there's nothing about seeing them together that I'm like, oh yeah, she really must be the love of his life or vice versa. Like, uh, yeah, the whole thing is very plot devicey the entire time. And we know it's real that he loved her because he, gave her his soul from in his gem yeah yeah that definitely didn't reek of uh you know people in high school who give each other their class rings and shit you know your gift is like paper it gets crumpled up and used or whatever they like like say in abstinence classes uh yeah and something about you know locks and keys or something i don't know i've i've slept through that part ah well um (laughs) Never mind. Uh, but regardless, um, <laughs> we also see her in the dark land of light with Jin, and um, it's all fucked up. But for now, the whole team's mad at him for losing his light and for having another girlfriend. In some cases, and end up beating him mercilessly with a ten-ton hammer, a vacuum cleaner, a unicycle, and. I think Geki has his drill, which is torture, I think. Yeah, just absolutely no mercy. Like, there were so many just um, actual war crimes committed. I can't even just put a list to them. I'm just imagining, like, the, like, GTA, like, wasted screen, but instead it's, like, war crimes committed. Right. But no, um, we cut back to the fight scene, though, and, um the magi becomes copies of them and they have like fake labels on top of them they actually i i think that this fight scene is probably one of my just entirely favorite parts out of this series of episodes because there is so much just ridiculousness and fourth wall breaking and jokes and comedic effect like everything about this is so freaking entertaining to watch I didn't care who won. I literally just wanted the fight to keep going because it was just getting increasingly more Looney Tunes the longer it went on. And it was so, so, so much fun. I love how show says, gross, don't use my form. Yes. (laughs) I love that at one point, one of them entirely like knocks off the uh, faker Mm -hmm. label. And looks at the camera just like with kind of the smirk and then goes back to the battle. It, it is such like a quick one two punch of a moment that you probably wouldn't even notice unless you were like really focused on the battle. But it was just it was so funny because of that, because it wasn't something they drew a lot of attention to that. I, I ended up losing my mind. I, I want more moments like that in, in TV shows. I, I want more of that just insanity. Mm, yeah. 
And in the end, though, they win and they get their sushi. They do get their sushi. Granny actually had won a, did she say a contest or a sweepstakes? Yeah, sweepstakes, I think. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, she won a... And I'm starting to kind of think that maybe Granny not only sees them in their monster form, but is maybe spying on them. I think, like, it's going to come out that Granny's kind of taking care of this lot. And that's why she not only puts up with so much of their shit, but knows how to put her foot down when they're, like, you know, starting to get too far off the rails. Maybe. That's a good theory. We'll see. I just kind of got that idea just from how kind of mischievous she is, but she just might be one of those type of characters, too. We've got a couple of them. Yeah. Um, I do love how everyone reacts. Like, Gan is, like, crying, like, this is Japanese spirit. (laughs) Yeah, extremely patriotic. And uh, the ET here is, like, they're all playing. Like, I think, like, Rai cuts the phone core from Geki, like show has tea, like Gan and Go are like playing like a game, and then mm-hmm. like we see like Granny has the Thigh Master out while Tomi's um has her music. So you know, I like that these change every time. I think this should be a thing in way more kinds of shows, just a little like fifteen second blur. But also, we largely don't have themes in shows beyond mm-hmm. like a little like sting that's like do 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 do. Uh, did that sound like the Twilight Zone theme or no? Was that <laughs> not at all? Not that theme, because honestly, I couldn't tell the difference. Uh, the unsolved mysteries theme is what I was going for. That's I think what I, I said. Oh, okay, <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right because that is something that I do with this show that I haven't done with a lot of shows. Is I always watch the ending credits because. It's always something mundane also. Like, it's never like they're giving away something from the show, but I think that's what makes it so entertaining. Like, you're literally watching them do something completely just, you know, run-of-the-mill ordinary, but, you know, when you're also dealing with a handful of monsters who don't have any, like, Earth or human experience, sometimes that just makes stuff all the funnier because you're not getting a whole lot of focus on it. It's not like a scene from a TV show, it's just kind of seeing them confused for a couple seconds and it's adorable as hell. I like it. Yeah, this is like a very slice of lifey show where exactly, they like barely yeah. remember to have stuff happen. Yeah, and I dig it. And maybe no episode more so far um, than episode 7, Absurd. Yeah, I was kind of wondering how they were going to, you know, draw the line yeah what is absurd now what's more absurd exactly did we not just watch the secretary with her hand beneath her own skirt when she was talking about him taking over the world like i think we're beyond that but we see go and he's very upset but they're in a van because they're all going to a hot spring by all i mean go won a contest so he is like Let's take the whole team. Let's take Atomi. Let's take Yabashita. Let's take Surfer Jane. Let's take the bread lady. Let's take everyone who's ever been a background player in this series. And you see, like, on the hot spring, ah, uh, the filming crew of the show is like, okay. That's, that's a good gag. <laughs> and then, um, 
on the van they're all talking and like rise like oh like what is this she's like oh like men and women come together naked and then he and go are like yeah <laughs> yeah i wasn't honestly prepared for that from go because he's seemed kind of i don't want to say conservative but kind of tightly laced up to this point so kind of seeing him act his age was refreshing i guess i think that um he just is like i can't cheat on rin but i can be horny yeah which makes sense flashbacks to kiva though because the monsters are all in the bath in their monster suits and it looks great um because it's like just like Yamashita and like a bunch of the like dudes. And he's like, oh, like Geki and go. Like, here's how you like splash yourselves and get clean and enter quietly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learning the elegance. Have a towel on your head. It is. Yeah. Especially because, it, you know, you open up to that with him and you really think that he's also going to be kind of a buttoned up guy until you get a couple more minutes into the episode and you're like, oh, <laughs> just joking. And the way he says, like, oh, like, the ladies aren't here yet, because when you're a woman, you have to do various preparations. Yeah, which I thought was a weird way to say anything. I was just like, what is he talking about? And what does he think women do before they get into a hot spring? What is happening? I think he thinks they go maximum boobification uh, to make sure they can get this, like, good striations, I think. I guess. <laughs> um, he tells them the rules though and it's like you can't touch them and immediately they all go eh what <laughs> yeah I couldn't believe they were surprised by that and I think actually he says that too like I can't believe you're surprised by this then he says you can't just stare at their bodies but here's a tip pretend to wash your face and stare between your fingers Ugh, yeah um, but then the girls all come in and they're wearing swimsuits and rise so mad then like like um Yamashita's like oh well times have changed sometimes they can if they want to yeah <laughs> yeah and the way he delivers that and very much this uh look what feminism has taken from us now type of tone I was just like guy come on like, <laughs> you knew that they weren't going to come out naked. You've been doing this clearly every day for the past 10 years. Like, come on. He was hoping all of a sudden he's with, like, four, like, models. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe some some naked ladies might show up. Today is the day it's going to be different, guys. Just wait. And um, after, like, talking for a while, they realize that Hitomi is carsick. And they go to massage her feet. As Geki has a chart of, like, the chakra lines, like, don't touch her heart. Oh, don't touch her brain. And then they like all press together on her foot. She's like, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah, that was very much the implication. Like she actually was. And you could <laughs> see that that might have been an issue if you paid attention to her face the first couple of times. They almost touched parts of her feet. I was like, this is porn. And the longer it went on, the more I was like, yep, this is porn. Yep. And finally they gave her a relief. Good for her. Wait, you think that I wasn't? I didn't. If you think that happened, whoa, that's some that's some good feet rubs. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but the very next session or the very next uh, scene, 
she's perfectly content with a giant smile on her face sitting in a hot spring talking about how much better she feels. Man, when five demons rub your feet, sometimes it's just different. It's different. <laughs> I'm just saying. And I mean, all of them, no matter what you're attracted to, were attractive persons. So you really couldn't go wrong. Like, whatever you're into, it was there touching your foot for you. <laughs> at Applebee's. <laughs> Only at Applebee's. When you hear your family. <laughs> 1099 or more special. Okay. <laughs> they maybe that happened. I just didn't realize it. I was like, oh, like she just bothered. But I guess she was <laughs> real bothered. I um, mean, not afterwards. No, she was good. She was like, man, I'm not cardsing anymore. I should <laughs> somebody go get me a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um getting carried and put in a hot spray after, that must be a nice feeling. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is perfect. Right? Like, she doesn't even have to worry about using her own legs to, like, get up and walk. They're just like, nope. We made this mess. We'll help you clean it up. It's all good. I wasn't going to say that. Like, sometimes if you, like, uh, just don't want to use your legs, as far as I've, like, uh, known with some different women, we're like, oh, <laughs> I would love to not use my legs. It's perfect. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> in Hot Spring, the whole team's like, what are we going to do about the greater power? And then, like, Sho says, since you gave your light to another woman, I want something much bigger. And grabs his... I said his fuck here, but I, I meant his cock. Yeah. Yeah, it's very obvious, and then it's also very obvious that he wants no part of that, because he's like, no, leave me alone! He is a sapiosexual, I believe. He only likes somebody who... He has a intellectual... No, he's just weird. <laughs> I was about to say, he only likes women that his best friend is also in love with. Seems to be his burning theme. He only likes it when he can smell his best friend's cologne. Yeah. Um, but no, um, Gan also says you can't follow Ollie. And then they're all like, oh, you know, could work. Like, you never lost it. Okay. <laughs> but Go's like, no, I'm going to lead us. I'll stop us. And then they're like, oh, no, here's where Geki says, oh, she just like disappeared one day. It's like, yeah, he did. And then they talk about how Go wasn't very popular and Rai was. I was popular. And the game was like, I was the most popular. Like, I'm always the best. <laughs> and um, we haven't mentioned how Gan is like a shogun, but like an elephant. He's like, got a cool look. He does. And one thing that I like about um, all of the guys on here is that all of them are so outwardly like non-competitive. It, it doesn't seem to be like part of their personalities for the most part. Like they're all very confident in who they are, but there's something about when they're all together, the way that they play off of each other with that and <laughs> always having to be like the best at whatever they're talking about. It just never fails to make me laugh because they all approach it so differently. Yeah. And they apparently brought the local bar owner too. And she's like, Oh, let's do couple stuff. Like decide who's most popular. Like, this is a couple. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that was. I thought that was strange because there clearly wasn't like a great male to female ratio to do that anyway. Um, as yeah. you can tell, like when they start zooming in, because there's a lot of people that are suddenly in the group that weren't in the scenes previously. So they just brought a bunch of girls, I guess. Randomly. Yeah, yeah, to try and balance it out. But it's time for a game show. We see like a game show crowd, and there's like booths, there's chairs. 
and ladies all vote for Geki. Except for Hitomi, who's like, I've decided I only am like human supremacist now, and I'm going to vote for Yavashita. Like, just vote for Go. Nobody will blame you. He's your best friend of them. (laughs) Yeah, not to mention, do you really want the creepy 50-year-old human guy to think that you have a crush on him? Because he clearly has issues with boundaries. (laughs) Maybe don't. But then um, we see that uh, the porn star is here and she says, what's your salary? And they all say zero. <laughs> and then Yabashita says 15,000 yen, <laughs> which is like $150. <laughs> right. And the funniest part to me is they, they show the guys all turned around and they're like, oh, so it's only about money with these women. And I'm like, clearly not. Like, they didn't get up and walk out, and their biggest, like, asset in this whole thing makes $150 a year. Does it? It's clearly not about the money. Yeah, no offense, but $150 is one of those uh, amounts of money you can make in a week. Yeah. Part-time, probably. Yeah. But um, then they're asked what their strong points are. They all give different answers, uh, but they get more even amounts of love. And then... <laughs> Rye says, some women have taste. Again, says, I guess it will protect this planet. And then Ghost says, I got one too. <laughs> <laughs> Very good line. It was, yes. It... They leave to argue, and it amounts to Gan and Geki play rock over scissors, and then Go like looks in, and it's just green screen now that they're looking in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, the woman who, who picked me is gone, and then smells evil. So they decide, let's be subtle to not interrupt this joyous atmosphere. And then Gan says, I will handle this. And he goes over to us, who is Maggie? Oh my gosh, yes. And one of the women there is like, that's my name. He's like, I'm going to shoot you. And he does, right in front of everybody. But they don't see it for some reason. I think she got eaten before she got shot. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I was wondering because I was like, surely they saw him shoot. You know, they saw him buck that shot off. And they all start to run. It's like, oh, how she's gone. And then like they're being chased by God with his gun. And then jazz music plays and Jin shows up and like also like his secretary in her sexy bikini and Atomi sees a hint of his monster form from behind. <laughs> just a lot. I just love that Jin showed up here. I, you know, it it took me a minute to get like, okay, what is happening? And, and, you know, it just, it moves on to the next set of scenes so fast anyway. It's not like it affords you a lot of time to just sit there in confusion, but still, it was so unexpected. I was not prepared for that at all. And for us to be addressing these issues so soon after they came up, because that's very uncommon for these shows. Usually you'll see something like that and then maybe, you know, two weeks worth of episodes later, you'll see a hint of it again. This time, no, it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, they were in love with the same girl. Yep. But like, as soon as they show up, like. The fighting gets stopped by Yamashita. Where they can fight. And then we see. Like here, like, like the secretary, she's like pouring water. So she's like moaning. background of course because that's what she does like there's never a moment she's not just ready to go yeah she's just like primed she's like always yes she's just all like theoretical like potential force 
like just like ready to get kinetic. Uh huh. Um. Then the team gets in a bath with Jin, and that's where we like find that stuff out. And I think there's more to it because like I just had your girl. Like maybe she loved Go, but was with Jin or loved them both or whatever. And you know, I'm sure he'll get his soul back eventually. Yeah, and and it's just it's kind of it, it's a strange thing, like because if you've been watching up to this point, there's so many different directions this show goes in. You kind of like, or at least to me, I I forget the original context, which is this: these two need to destroy each other because of all these reasons to do with their planet. But then I'm kind of with a lot of the side characters once it all comes out too, where I'm just like, oh, so you guys are fighting over a girl. How original. Like, there is this moment of like, okay, yeah, you guys are both these really strong guys and you did some heroic shit together, but this is what drove you apart? Like, come the fuck on. (laughs) And they go in, like, excruciating detail that, like, we were best friends and we were generals and, and, like, the God King gave us the same sword. Yeah, and they show them doing that, like, uh that dance together where it's like they're silhouetting like having their their weapons and putting them together and oh yeah we're the heroes forever whatever the fuck is happening on it it's just it's extra cheesy because it has the two of them like buy into it we're on the other it's hand very just shippy. Like, yeah exactly when you're on the outside looking in like us you're just like oh okay well <laughs> it's like it, okay what, what do i do with this now like this is shit it's like when you hear about like the comics codes in the 50s and how like Batman and Robin needed to like to have like girlfriends around so they wouldn't come off as gay. It feels like let's invent this person to die just so that they don't seem like they're about to make out at every point. <laughs> exactly. Let's give them some kind of reason for this romantic tension. <laughs> Even if it, you know, nobody buys it except like your absolute most in denial people. So maybe they'll make a fun joke or like a plot line out of it or maybe just like an homage to this kind of like mythical like storytelling that like they want to have this kind of character or there's like a specific story right my read is huh this is your no we're definitely not gay for each other <laughs> like redirect yeah 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 i'm here for it and like they like end their pantomime as like naked boys in the bath together with no swords, like about to kiss. And he's like, why betray Shoshin Kai? But Tomi shows up and is like, oh, the magic is that like fountainhead. And it's just oh, this like big lion head looking around like, you guys can see me. And then leads into one of my other favorite. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say battle scenes because it's not. But all of them just sitting there watching the secretary get attacked. Just sitting there watching it. Just like, I wonder what's going to happen next. And she's like screaming and trying to bat this thing off while she's outside by herself facing off this monster. And all of the uh, heroes are just inside watching her from the inside out like, huh, I'll bet she can take him. It is the funniest thing I have seen in such a long time. Like I had to pause because I was laughing so hard just at their faces. Just watching her fight this thing. Just like, yep, that's what that horny bitch gets. Because Go looks like hungry or horny or like something. Like he's like watching her like in her butt and just like, yeah, jiggle her. Oh, wait, I should help. (laughs) 
And then, like, by the time he decides to, it's pretty much done. It Just the whole thing was hilarious. I, I loved it just so much. And he fights, like, an underwater, like, Mario level, and, like, his, like, jewel turns into a metal ball. It's okay. Yes. Yeah, but then he's underwater, but he's, like, fighting like he's on a solid surface. They have a couple of effects where they look like almost water effects, but it's not really. It's it's interesting, but fun. Yeah. And once he's out, everyone's gone to like a banquet, but Jin, and then like he asked Jin, was what you said true? And he's like, yeah, you'll see someday. And then we get to the banquet, and I'm pretty sure Kaida and Mimia uh, like, is just there, like the like show creator, like just like with some ladies but also we see that um it's might be the exact room or just looks like and like it's like a common banquet hall type but from the hibiki karaoke episode Mm -hmm. this might be the same room it looks so similar probably so and i will say that this set of shots has probably my favorite ones of the season so far is we're going back to that um what you and i were talking about earlier that playing with you know, some of them being in monster form, some of them being in human form, and having it not really be a, an issue regardless. Um, this is probably one of my favorite series of camera angles from the series so far because of that, because it just, it literally plays with every character you've met so far and juxtaposes them against whether or not, you know, they're in a monster mood that time or not. It took me a second to realize, but... They're each their human and monster form. They're like talking to like each other. And there's like a moment where like both goes are sad and they comfort each other. And it's like, this is cool. Yes. I loved that. I like, yeah, because one puts his hand on the shoulder and the other puts his hand on like their leg. And yeah, it's, it's very adorable. And the ED as Tommy's friend, Bring pops for everyone, but there isn't enough for the magic catfish who loves the poor magic catfish. I I have so much sympathy for him by this point. Yeah, he's got a rough go of it. Uh, but that's the, these uh, next three episodes of Jokiki Goraigon. Uh, next time is episodes eight, nine, and ten, mm-hmm. and then after that is the last three: eleven, twelve, thirteen. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but Steph, uh, how are you feeling broad strokes about this show? Do you like it? Does it working for you now? Is it kind of clicking? I, I really like it. I mean, there's, <laughs> I think even the parts where I kind of raise my eyebrow or have questions, I always end up enjoying like in the long term, because one thing that this show is really good about is even if it shows you something weird, it doesn't make you sit on it. It's going to answer it like within the next couple of scenes, but you are going to have a sense for a couple of minutes of like, what am I watching? But I I like that about this show because it eventually always tells you. There's a lot of things that we've watched that they'll give you something and then never follow through on it. Or if they do, it's in such an unsatisfying way that you're like, well, I'd rather not have picked up that thread. But with this one, it's just it hands you a lot of different things quickly, but it also keeps you engaged without you know shitting all over your expectations for things so I, I i'm really glad we picked this one up I, i've had a blast with it so far i really appreciate how it's like a slice of life show and just like doing all the slice of lifey like let's have our suits as we're getting like 
drinks or like mm-hmm. in the park or something. And that's like just such a cool way to do Togu. Like, oh, this is the coolest stuff. Um, lo- right. I also like how it's this weird, horny comedy because like yeah. <laughs> it's really funny, like a lot of the time. I like how it's weird and horny, but it, it also isn't afraid to play up like a serious beat either. A lot of the things that we watch that are like too funny or too horny can't do anything else. But I think this show has a weirdly amazing balance for that by making you feel yeah. something, but also like poking fun at how seriously like soap operatic a lot of the horny stuff can be. Like Chatron had some really serious things that like had character stakes happen, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it was like a really dumb show half the time, like 90% mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and I just like do think that just I'm glad they got to make a like show that maybe it would have reached more people if there wasn't so many tits in it, but yeah. it's very funny that they got to do the jokes or the characters, whatever they wanted to do here. That's true, yeah. Yeah, uh, but Steph, who are your top three favorite characters? Oh man, I always have a tough time with this one, too. Um, let's see, top three favorite. Yeah, it's a hard one to pick for this one. I know, and I think I picked Grandma last. Oh, you can go for it again. Okay, yeah, I, Grandma, she's probably going to be on the list every week, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> I just I like that she is so willing to play around with them, but also keeps them in line. Like she she creates a really cool dynamic. I know this one is hard this time. <laughs> I guess my number three would probably be. Um, hmm. I think I started to like. <laughs> it's hard not just make it the secretary because she's so funny. But she didn't really do anything. She just was there. Yeah. Um hmm. I liked seeing um Akiko the like porn star who's like so excited to be like, hey, like, am I in the show? And like she just like always has like I like these small bits. She she was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um oh, what is his name? Absolute Justice. Uh gone. Gone, yes. Okay. I I love him because, like I said before, he goes so quickly from, oh, you know, look at this nice honorable superhero to, oh, look at this moralistic fuck card. And watching him start to kind of come to balance with, you know, being around people that he cares about, but also his own attitude toward everything is has been very interesting to watch. Mm hmm. Uh. Number two for me might be Gekiak this time because I feel like he got a little bit more to do and he's just like this weird guy that knows things, but they're all like Rugrats babies. <laughs> so he's like learning stuff, but he's still wrong in like weird ways. Like, huh, this is Reptar. That's what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, who's your number one? Number one. Whoopsh. Okay, it's gonna have to be oh god, what's his name? Homeless guy. Yamashita. Yamashita, yes, because I, the gag of him falling over backwards in his cart and having to be picked up so many times, I laughed louder every time that happened during <laughs> the mm. set of episodes. So, and then the fact that he actually 
got to give them some pretty valuable insight a couple of times. I, I, I really enjoy the way that they're letting his character kind of develop overall. So, yeah, no. And like, um, this is second or third show we've had with him in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's been almost every episode so far. Yeah. What was he? He was in. Oh, he's in a lot of common rider. Holy crap. Um, I just like saw him and he's, in Blade, Deno, Decade, Double, Wizard, EXA. Oh, wow. He's in Super Sentai, too. So he's just a big character actor, I guess. He just, like, shows up in a lot of stuff. Um, But my number one probably is gone. I really liked him. He really made the <laughs> cast kind of sing. Yeah. He made the whole dynamic work. Just this, like, weird one-off-switch-ship guy. Uh, yeah. What was your favorite uh Tokusatsu moment? Like, be an effect, a suit, a fight scene, etc. This was hard because we had so many of them uh, from five to seven. But I, I'm gonna have to go back and say the um, the underwater fight scene because <laughs> it it did have some very cheesy like CGI moments. But they did try to play it as honestly as they could. Like you could tell with the uh, the battle scene itself. You know, obviously they're not underwater. He's he's moving very crisply. Like you can tell, it's it's all green screen, but it it it's still fun, and I still enjoyed watching it a lot. So that's my favorite for sure. Hmm. Um, probably Gon's suit. I really like his like weird mason gun. I like his second face, like a demon face on his chest and a bunch of armor. Mm-hmm. Looks really good. Yeah. And last but not least, best outfits this time around, Steph. <laughs> that is actually going to be gone in the um, Hot Springs, where he's wearing his uh, Speedo bottoms with a scarf. <laughs> That's a good look. I knew as soon as I saw that, that that was my look. That was what, it, that's my future right there. Whether you're getting ready for a visual novel or a romp, you're ready. That's what I'm wearing to a five-star restaurant. Just a scarf and bottoms. A speedo. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Oh, this is hard. Um, I do like the whole outfit like that, like he has when he's normal, where it's like a some jeans with like patches and like a the scarf in his shirt. He's just kind of like a very I'm a character in a TV show outfit. It's yes. very funny. Yes. <laughs> so double guns. Yep. Gone gone. Um Okay. Oh, and Steph, where can people find you when you're uh, not talking about uh, Tokusatsu? Oh, you can find me at Nobody Much on Instagram, or you can find me at www.arcademilitia.com. Have you virtually left Twitter at this point? Uh, pretty much. I keep, I keep thinking I'm going to get back on there, and then Elon Musk says something else stupid, and I can't make myself do it. So, like. You know, maybe if somebody else ever buys it, I'll get back on there. How about that? Yeah, I'm barely. I should probably update the Twitter or like have another place, but it's not what it was. It it is just slowly getting worse and worse. Hopefully, it like will die in full. We'll see uh, soon, but no. Oh, uh, same for Twitter die, not same for yourself. I was like, same what? what? <laughs> My bad. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. No, no. I mean, oh. depends on the day. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. 
And for me, you could find uh, me uh, twitter.com at James Forge on co-host at James D. You can find the podcast uh, on co-host at Common Ride on Twitter at Common Ride with me. Uh, there's CommonRide.com for episodes and articles slash merch links to our merch with proceeds going to Trans Lifeline and Surf Project. There is a uh, slash episodes for links out to different platforms. Please rate and review to get a shout out on the show. Uh, you can send in questions um, either in a review or uh, to podcast at CommonRideWithMe.com, podcast at CommonRideWithMe.com. And we will answer them and look at them, especially as we uh, come to the midpoint in this show, just uh, might take some questions on just how the show was or ended or what you think and like about a month and the show's over. Um, and we do basically know what we're doing next, so not too much input there, but please let us know if you have any ideas. But for now, Steph, what did we learn? Uh uh we learned that if you and your best friend both fall in love with the same mediocre girl maybe don't try to destroy the planet over it so i just watch itu mama tambien which is the exact opposite of this mm. and i think maybe sometimes you just gotta see if you want to kiss your friend not fight him oh there you go yeah i must add too you know?